0: to our God, the one worthy of all praise, I magnify him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Trinity of his blessed persons. I'm thankful for the privilege to be with you again, my brothers and sisters, and glad for the goodness of God that has kept us in the course of our journeying and in our travel ministry and throughout the activities of life, and for you as well, good to know that he is... Blessed you in these days, and we trust that as we're together this morning around His Word, He'll be pleased to glorify Himself and to benefit us from His written Word. We have looked last hour in John chapter 21, and also looked in a little way at, at an overview of John's Gospel. And I want us to turn to John's Gospel once again, please, in this hour. and I direct your attention to chapter 11 of the Gospel according to John. And as we would read from that chapter, I uh, would we'll just uh, give you a few select verses that we want to read. Instead of the whole chapter, we'd do well to read it all, but it's a lengthy one. Some of you may recall that in this chapter, John records by inspiration the resurrection of Lazarus. It's a, it's an, an interesting chapter in so many ways, but I want us to focus on the uh Latter portion of that story as John records it by inspiration, in what our Lord Jesus does actually at the graveside of Lazarus, and in order to pick up there, uh, let's just uh, pick up at verse thirty-four, as our Lord is speaking there concerning where where Lazarus had been laid in in burial, uh, verse. Uh, well, let's just read verse 20, verse thirty-three to. To to pick up the uh, middle of that sentence. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, that is Mary, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind... "...have caused that even this man should not have died. Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days." Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus uh, excuse me, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. We want to think together about this portion that we've read in John chapter 11. As we do, I want to particularly direct your attention to three commands of Christ that we find in this passage. They're commands that I think are instructive for us in regard to what the Lord Jesus asks of those who are there humanly. But also, that inner command is instructive of what we cannot do. And uh, we want to say more about that as we uh, consider these words together. But in doing so, may we just pause again and pray to ask our God's blessing on His Word. Father, we bow before You in the name of our worthy Savior, the One who could speak in this chapter, Father, as He addressed Martha and He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Father, we thank You for the One who lives. He was the living One from all eternity with Thee in the Spirit. Father, we thank You that in time, by a virgin womb, He became a man. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Father, we thank You that that One who lives became dead. And in His dying, He was taking the place, the sin-dead and hell penalty of sinners. And Father, we thank You that having died, He arose. We ask You in His name this morning, Father. By Thy Spirit would You glorify Him in our midst. And would You benefit every soul here, we ask, for Your glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that You'd benefit any that are lost. As is have prayed already, I join in praying that You would bring that, Thy Word in power to that soul. And then, Father, bring that soul to Christ. And then, Father, for us who know You, I pray that each of us, Father, could be refreshed in Your truth. And that Your Spirit would do that work to the glory of Thy Son. In whose name we make our prayer. Amen. Again, we want to think about three commands of Christ here in these words of John 11. But as we do, allow me to share a little bit of our pastime the last hour, in giving a a bit of an overview of John's Gospel. There there are many ways, I'm sure, that it's been divided. If you were to look at New Testament introductions or New Testament surveys, you'd probably find a lot of different outlines. But one broad outline that I've come to appreciate in my study of the Gospel of John is the division that basically sees... Two books, not that they're disconnected, but that's the word that's used conveniently to describe it by way of outline. In chapters 1 through 12, we have what would be called the book of signs. And in that, John records by the Spirit of God's inspiration specific miracles that show the power of Christ, the person of Christ, and the work of Christ. They demonstrate who He is, especially as we think about this one here in Revelation at John chapter 11. John wrote Revelation, but that's not where we are. John chapter 11, is, uh, as John records the resurrection of Lazarus, those words that we mentioned in prayer just a few minutes ago, how the Lord Jesus could say to Martha, there in the face of Lazarus' death, The brother that they loved, Mary and Martha, had died. But not only the brother they loved, the brother that Jesus loved. He was the one who's called in John's Gospel, along with John himself, the writer. He's called, he whom thou lovest. And they say he's sick. We want to say more about that, God willing, tonight as we look at John 11 a little further. But as that is said, the Lord Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life and that leads me to think of something that D.L. Moody said the evangelist D.L. Moody said that our Lord Jesus never met a funeral but he ruined it now that's my paraphrase but that's true It doesn't matter how long the person's been dead. May have just died like that young 12-year-old Jairus' daughter. But when Jesus says she's sleeping, guess what? That means He's going to give a wake-up call. Hallelujah. And by that wake-up call, she's going to get up and He's going to tell her mom and dad, give her something to eat. You don't don't say that to a dead person or of a dead person. But He resurrected her. And then there was that widow of Nain's son. They were bringing His body on a coffin out of the city go bury him and Jesus has a crowd walking into the city with him the two crowds meet and he touches the coffin and he says to that young man arise and that widowed mother whose only son had died sees that son raised to life then, even farther on. And you know what? I, I remember a black preacher friend. He's been with the Lord now. He died with sickle cell anemia in 2004 at age 45. Brother Oliver Bowie. But I remember him talking about the resurrections that Christ performed one time. And he said, he felt like when Jesus walked in there when Jairus' daughter was raised. And, and uh, Jesus said, oh, she's not dead. She's sleeping. He said he believed death reared up and said, I'll show you she ain't sleeping. But death had no power before Him who's the resurrection of the life. And when he said, get up, he, and, and Mark records it in Aramaic, talitha kumi, the word com in Hebrew and Aramaic means arise, get up, wake up. Young lady, get up, wake up. And she did. But you know, he said in John 11 too, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. And I'll bet death bristled again. Death said, well, you kept her. She hadn't been dead long a Remember, the Jews didn't embalm. So, so they were carrying him out probably the next day after his death to his burial. But Lazarus, he's been dead four days. And, and the Jews had a tradition that that fourth day, the spirit that had hovered around the body left. Now, that's not in the Bible, so don't take it. But the Jews seem to believe that, at least some of them. And, and so now he's been dead four days. And I've been dead said, well, his spirit's gone for good now. But when the resurrection the life shows up, guess what's going to happen? We see it here. In those commands of Christ, we see something that represents, I believe, a lesson for us. But also something of what John talks about in these signs, in that first part of the book, the book of signs. As we pointed out last hour, those signs have a a, a message. And that message is... This is the one God promised. Seen evidently, as we said in the case of the blind man. We sang it in that last stanza of Brother Wesley's hymn with which we ended our our song worship this morning for the time being. Did you notice what it says? Hear him, ye deaf; his praise ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ, ye blind behold... Your Savior come and leap, ye lame, for joy. And that's a reference to Isaiah 35 to which we referred last hour in that there were special miracles that God spoke through His servant, the prophet Isaiah, that when God appeared to save His people... When God himself would come on the scene in that great work of salvation, and Isaiah's name means salvation of Jehovah. When, when Isaiah spoke of that, he said, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then the tongue of the dumb or mute will sing, and the lame will leap like a heart. And when Jesus appeared, guess what happened? Those very, very miracles occurred. Why? Because God, in the person of Jesus the Son, the Word made flesh had now come to save His people. Hallelujah. And as that happened, John, by inspiration of the Spirit, picks out these specific miracles. Starts with the miracle of the water being turned to wine. In in Cana of Galilee at the wedding, water for the Jews was a picture of the Word. But you see, Christ has the power to take the water of the Word and make it wine for us. In other words, by nature, you and I don't have a receptivity or taste for God's Word. And yet, He's able to do that, which gives to us the ability to enjoy, to savor, to delight in the Word. And that happens by grace. And so these signs become miracles that show to us spiritual truth. They convey to us the reality of what grace can do. And Mr. Wesley again called it well in that hymn, hear him ye deaf. But a deaf man can't hear. He can when the Lord of life gives him hearing. And his praise ye dumb, you mute. But, but the mute man can't speak. Your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind behold, but the blind man can't see. Oh yes, he can when the Lord of life gives him sight. Ye blind behold, your Savior come and leap, ye lame, for joy. You know that's something that lame man did later in Acts 3 when Peter and John said silver and gold have I none but such as I have gathered thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise and walk and I like the fact that he did, went too better he didn't just rise and walk he started leaping and praising God you can imagine after all those years of not being able to use those ankles those legs and now he's energized and empowered and healed so he can do that and he does that and he gives glory to God and these miracles speak of spiritual realities. They speak of what God does for us. <clears throat> when we're saved by His grace, our, our blind eyes they cannot see truth nor see the glory of God nor see the Lord Jesus, our blind eyes are given to behold Him. Our deaf ears they cannot hear the Word of God, our deaf ears are opened so that we now hear His Word and hear the shepherd's voice and follow Him as His sheep. But then our loosened tongues that could not speak His praise are now freed to do so. But our lame feet that could not walk in the ways of God are now enabled to walk in the ways of God. These miracles become then, not to take away from the fact that they were physically accomplished, literally. We would not change that. That's true, the Word of God says, but they become for us conveyors as well of what God does spiritually for sinners. And that's true here in John 11 as well. We think about that book of signs and then the movement to the book of glory. The book of glory records Christ's sufferings that become the moment of Him being glorified, Him being uplifted. And in the closing miracle, the final miracle of the seven that John chooses in the book of signs, the miracles he displays that show Christ's glory, in that we have this final one, the resurrection of Lazarus. And it's a sign too, and that not only was there the physical miracle of life that a man dead four days received, but there was also the spiritual aspect of what God does in grace for sinners in salvation. And this is something that I'm afraid much of Christendom today, even evangelical Christianity, is forgotten, is that people who are not saved are spiritually dead. Now, if I made that up, I wouldn't ask you to believe it. But I didn't make that up. God's Word plainly teaches it. Paul, at the end of his prayer in Ephesians 1 for uh, God's saints there in Ephesus, speaks about that they might know the power of God in their lives the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. And then he adds this, which He wrought, that is, which He worked or displayed in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him up up, above all principality and power, every name that is named. And then, having said that at the end of chapter 1, the power He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. In Ephesians 2, 1, he says, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin." Then he tells us where we were. Why don't we just look at it? Find that in your Bibles, please with me. Ephesians chapter 2 and notice the words the spirit of God uses to express the spiritual state of humanity in Adam where we were before we came to know the grace of God. And he takes us to the cemetery. He takes us to the to the graveyard. Now let me just ask you to notice those words of verses 19 and 20 of chapter 1 that segue into chapter 2 for us. Those words... Again, Ephesians 1, 19. As Paul prays for God's people, he prays that they know several things. And among them, he prays this, verse 19. They might know, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who, are, us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him in His own right hand in the heavenly places. Now notice verse 1 of chapter 2. And you... Not just Christ, but you. Not physically yet, but spiritually. And you has He quickened. Why did I need to be made alive? Now, quickened is a good King James word there. I like it. I love our King James. And when I was a boy, my mom would sometimes cut my nails. Sometimes she'd trust me to do it. And you know what? If you cut too far beyond the cuticle, the white part, you know what she'd say? You cut it to the quick. What do you mean by that? That living part of your finger. Or or finger if you're really sorry. (laughs) That, 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 That part which is quick. Why? Because it's living. And we were quickened. What happened? I was dead, but I was made alive. I was quickened. I came to have quickness or life. That's what God does. And that's what happened. Not only did God raise Jesus spiritually, excuse me, physically, but He raised us spiritually in union with Christ and if you will notice what it goes on to say let me read again verse 1 and you at the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins wherein that is in those sins in which in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation that is our manner of life our conduct the turning of our life in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus let me just finish the sentence there that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What happened to us who were saved? Well, we were dead. We were dead in trespasses, but it was an active dead Because we were actively walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's a reference to Satan, who's in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 called the God of this world. We were walking... I was marching to his drum, in other words. I was fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. What, 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 what the desires, the lust that I had, I was following those. But, God, verse 4. And what happened when God in his grace worked toward us, moved toward Well, I was quickened. There's that quick again. I was made alive. I had no sensitivity to God genuinely. I had no real life in Him. I was, as Ephesians 4 will say later in verse 17 or verse 18, I was alienated through the life, from the life of God, through the ignorance that was in me. Cut off, estranged from... But, I got connected. May I say it reverently? I got plugged in. I was disconnected from the life system. But He connected me, and now life comes. And that's the picture of where the sinner is outside of Christ, in that dead state. But the grace of God is powerful enough to make us alive. I cannot make myself alive, but God's grace can do that. And He can do it in strange ways, too. I remember hearing the story, some of you remember the name of Oliver B. Green, the old, old-time gospel hour, wasn't it? The broadcast. They say that Brother Green was preaching one time on the radio. Well, he's recorded, it, you know? And in his recording, when it was broadcast through the radio, he made this statement in the midst of his, in the midst of his preaching. And I'm convinced it was God led him to say it. Sovereign God using him in a way he did not understand. He said, "I don't care if you're driving down the road in a yellow Cadillac. Pull over and ask God to save you." Well, when he, when he said that, there was a man riding down the road a cat and a yellow Cadillac listening to him. Guess what he did? He pulled over and asked the Lord to save him. You tell me he's not sovereign. Hey, but what happened? God quickened that sinner. And the sinner heard the voice of the Son of God. Now, I'll say more about that in a moment. I'm kind of doing it like the black preacher. I'm telling you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, to tell you what I told you, right? <laughs> but. He heard the voice of the Son of God and He lived. And that, brothers and sisters, is that inner command that we need to think about. Now we could look at other Scripture. In Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel is taken to a valley of dry bones. Remember that? Spiritual, them bones, them bones, them jumping bones. That's what Ezekiel saw, you know. Well, they weren't jumping when Ezekiel saw that. They were bleached and dead and dry in that valley. And God asked him, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, thou knowest. That's the wise, you know. If the Lord asks you something, I think the best thing to do is put the question back to him. He says, Lord, thou knowest. And then Ezekiel's told, Prophesy to the bones. Now, if Ezekiel had been a hyper-Calvinist brother Paul, he'd have said, well, they're dead. I'm not going to speak to them. But you see, you and I are commanded to preach to the bones. We're commanded to bring God's Word because if the bones will be made alive, God's going to use His voice to do it through His Word. But Ezekiel was also told prophesy of the wind. What's that? That's the life-giving breath of God. That's the Spirit of God that brings sinners who are dead to life. And that's what happens. The Spirit comes on all those bones and that's when those bones are alive. He preached to the bones and there was activity, but there was not Life. When the Spirit came, there was life. And again, that's the picture of humanity in our sin. In union with Adam, we have died. Not only Adam died, not only Mrs. Adam died, but we all died in Adam. In Adam's fall, the old New England primer put it this way, in Adam's fall, for A, the letter A, in Adam's fall, we fell all, or we sinned all. You see... It's impacted us all, and because of that, spiritual death is a reality. That's what John is going to picture for us here in this sign. There's the miracle of physical resurrection, yes, but there's also the reality of the spiritual picture of what God does. Let's go back to John 11 from Ephesians 2, please, and notice as we think about these three commands of Christ, let's notice, well... Before we do that, let me just go ahead and have you start at, just Stop by John 5 with me real quick, please. Because this will nail it down with the words of our Savior. John chapter 5. And notice the words of the Lord Jesus as He speaks about what the Father does and what the Son does in these words of John 5. As He says that, notice verse 24, please, of John Five. Verily, verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Now here the Lord Jesus in that our King James it's what we call the, the perfect tense. And that's what it is in the Greek Testament. It is passed. In other words, the one who believes, he has everlasting life. The one who hears his word and believes has everlasting life. And, and he, he will not come into condemnation. We've got a present tense, has. We've got a future tense, shall not. But we have a perfect tense, is passed from death to life. In other words, the person who believes has experienced that resurrection. Years ago... My wife and I lived in Burlington. We took one of the sisters from the church I pastored out there on Osceola Road, Gospel Baptist Church. We went down to hear the Spear family. At the, I think it was out of the First Church of the Nazarene on, uh, is that Harden? Anyway, Chapel Hill, maybe. We went down, and Papa Spear was still singing with them. It was good. I enjoyed it. They sang a song. Oh, I loved it. They sang a song, I've had a resurrection. And you know, they didn't look like they'd been resurrected. They still like they were nobody. But they were talking about a spiritual reality. That as they had believed, God in His grace had caused them to pass from death to life, and therefore they believed. And and, and notice the next verse, verse 25 of John 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Now this is not talking about physical resurrection. That will be talked about in verses 28 and 29 in John 5. But here it's talking about a reality that Christ says now is. And that was what? That the dead would hear through His Word the voice of the Son of God and they that hear would do what? Come to life. And thank God that's been going on for over 2,000 years since He raised from the dead. There are those who've heard the voice of the Son of God through the Gospel, through the Word and as they've heard that, they've come to life. That's that's what happened to me back, thank God, September 1973, the Lord saved me. I'm coming up on 48 years in Christ. I'll soon have a golden anniversary in the Lord. 48 years, but that's what happened to me. I was going to hell happy of it. I was on my way. I had sinned greatly and I had great plans for greater sin. But he interrupted me on my mad run to hell. I was going down to the pit. But he stopped me. He quickened me. He made me alive. And I bless his name for it. I'm glad for the grace of God that did what He alone could do. And, and John is picturing that for us here in the words of John 11. Now let's go back. Thank you for by- bypassing John 11 quickly to turn to John 5. But now as we go back, let's notice the first command of Christ that we have in verse 39. They're there at the graveside. Jesus is seen where He's laid. Jesus is wept. Lord William will say more about that tonight as we consider more of John 11. But as He gives... The instruction there at the graveside. In verse 39 we read, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Remember again, the Jews did not embalm. Now I know Jacob was embalmed in Genesis because Joseph was among the Egyptians, but the practice of the Jews even today for many of them is not to embalm. And so they bury their dead immediately. And Lazarus has been dead now, and he's four days dead, and with no embalming, even with those spices wrapped around him, his body is going to begin the process of decay, and there's going to be that odor of death saw something this past week on channel 5 I believe it was news. might have been Time Warner Spectrum. they were talking about a plant that's called the corpse plant and it was going to bloom and when it blooms you saw that sister then and when it blooms it smells like a corpse and that's not quite what I wanted a plant that blossoms you know but I, I almost would like to smell it to see if it's real Because death has an aroma, death has an odor, and you and I, when we were lost spiritually, we had the stench of our death upon us. That's what Mary, excuse me, Martha, protests. Lord, he's been dead four days; he stinks now. But the command to those around was what: take away the stone. Christ is going to do what he alone can do in that middle command. He's going to raise the dead. You and I can't do that. But there are some things you and I, as believers, can do. What is that? Get the stones out of the way of the spiritually dead. What do you mean by that, Dave? Well, sometimes we, I'm afraid, put stumbling blocks in the way of the dead, don't we? What does the Bible say about those stumbling blocks? Don't do it. Get them out of the way. And and you know, uh, humanly, now again I'm speaking in the realm of the human, but that this is a command to the people. It's something that could be done by those who were there. I mean, I don't know how many, four or five of those big Jewish men probably could have rolled that stone away easily. And there are some things that impede the gospel. We do ought to remember, remove them. I, I, I can't identify all of them. But sometimes they're a region to which the gospel is not gone. And I believe the gospel is the means by which God does quicken sinners. As Peter talks about the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever in 1 Peter 1 when he comes to verse 25 after he speaks of how they've been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever quoted in Isaiah 40. When he gets to the end of that talking about the seed of the Word the incorruptible seed by which we're born again he says and this is the Word verse 25 which by the Gospel has been preached unto you. In other words, this is the Word which has been proclaimed as good news to you. And I'm glad for that imperishable message of life that the good news of Christ is. The Gospel that tells of God's activity for us. The activity of God without which we could not be saved. Had God not done it, I would have perished, you would have perished. But God has done that work in Jesus Christ that brings salvation to sinners. Brings us out of death to life. I'm about to go black on you. (laughs) Oh my, the word is sweet, I tell you. I'm glad that He passed by my plot. I'm glad, as Brother Parsons wrote so well, I'm glad He came to me. I could not come to where He was, but He came to me. Brothers and sisters, as we think about the dead now, we've been made alive who know Him, but as we think about the dead now, let's take away the stones. Let's realize that all of life now, for us, is about the Gospel. You say, Brother David, I'm not called to preach. No, but every believer is called to follow and to serve. Amen? Every one of us called to follow Him to take up our cross. That He didn't say that was a command for just preachers, did He? Every one of us called to take up our cross and deny ourselves because sometimes when we don't deny ourselves, what happened? We put some stones in the way. Take away the stone, child of God. Do that which God would use to make a bridge to the Gospel instead of a Stumbling stone. Make it a stepping stone. Amen. And that, brothers and sisters, is what our Lord says take away the stone. But then there's that inner command, and that's the best to me because it's the command that Christ gives to the dead. He doesn't address it to humans that are living like he did take away the stone. He said, take ye away the stone. There's that plural. You and and, and our King James. Take ye away the stone. But now, after he prays, and he has to rebuke Martha a little bit because she said, Lord, he stinks. And he says, didn't I tell you if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God? And then he prays. And as he prays and finishes that prayer, verse 43 of John chapter 11 says, And when he had thus spoken... He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I like what one brother said. He said, Lazarus, come forth, because if he hadn't said Lazarus, any other dead person in that grave would have come out. Why? Because of the power of the voice of the Son of God. That's the power of Him who is the resurrection and life. He has the ability to raise the dead. But the good news is He not only raises the dead physically, but He raises the dead spiritually. And that's again what John 11, 5.25 was referred to. Marvel not, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Now, when you read the details after this resurrection, in verse thirty four, verse 44 it says, He that was dead came forth. How? bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Now, they wrapped them in grave clothes with uh, aromatic spices bound in between so that it would somehow uh, soften the smell of death. But as they wrapped them, Lazarus would have been one way or the other. I don't know if they did this, but one way or the other, he'd have been bound. You see my feet? You may not, but they're tight. And he's wrapped up like that. How's that man going to get out of a tomb? It had to be a miracle, right? Amen. Amen. How were you and I going to get out of our tomb? It had to be a miracle. Because the voice of the Son of God spoke and said, Come forth. Oh, I love it. There's a salt. There's a stanza in Brother Wesley's hymn that we didn't sing. Let down and boast. He speaks. Please listen. I'd love for you to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd through my voice. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. That's what Charles Wesley he didn't know he didn't believe in sovereign grace but he sure wrote about it <laughs> he speaks in listening to his voice new life the dead receive that's what happens spiritually to those the son of God visits and says come forth and I remember well the day when I was dead but all of a sudden I came to life. I remember. And for some, it may have been more of a process you may not remember, but for many of you, you might remember that day when all of a sudden, new life was yours because there was a new world open to your view now. There was a, a realities that you'd never seen. You were like the little boy who was riding down the road in the car with his dad. And he said, Dad, I can read. He said, how do you know, son? He said, I'm seeing words everywhere. In other words, he looked at the billboard and he could read now. He'd been learning the letter, but now he could put them together. And I'm reading now. And all of a sudden, we were seeing things everywhere we'd never seen before. I love the way Mr. Robinson put it when he said Heaven above is softer blue. Earth beneath is greener green. Something lives in every hue. Christless eyes have never seen. All of a sudden I saw something I realized this is my Father's world. I've been born again. I'm His and He's mine. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because of that voice of the Son of God that said, come forth. And now I was alive. Alive from the dead. Alive for the first time. That's the Word, the power of the Son of God. that can quicken the ones who are dead in sin. And that's why we as believers should never give hope up or give up hope on, for people that are lost. Why? Well, because I'm, I'm going to say, I realize some have gone past God's deadline, we can say, I think biblically, but, but I'm going to kind of say, since I don't know that, while there's life, there's hope. Because I have a feeling probably the dying thief wouldn't have been on your prayer list. And what happened? today thou shalt be with me in paradise his mom might have long since gone and the last prayers were said for him when she died maybe Lord save my wayward son he probably not been on our list. I'm sure if you were a believer in the church in Jerusalem in Acts early days Paul wouldn't have been on your prayer list Saul of Tarsus or it might have been Lord kill him right Lord destroyed him but what happened God saved him. Why? Because on his way to persecute Christians, the the authority of the high priest in those papers in his hand, on his way, Christ spoke to him. And what did Christ do? Come forth, Saul. And what happened? He that was dead came forth. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. Lord, what would you have me do? All of a sudden, he's his Lord now. That's grace, brothers and sisters. That's the power of the Gospel. Well, that's what our Lord did there with Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. That's the second command of Christ. I would ask you this morning, if you heard His voice, has He spoken life to you? Oh, I pray so. I pray you've been brought to believe on His name and say, yes, in Him is life. And because life is in Him... Life is in me. And that's what 1 John 5 says in it. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. We've heard His voice. and He has life and we have life in Him. One final though I would give you by way of the command. And that's found in our Lord's words. After he's been raised. Verse 44, we read part of it. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. That's the final command of Christ we see here. Three commands. The first one, take ye away the stone. The second one, Lazarus, come forth. The third, loose him and let him go. And this is why I appreciate the Lord's churches. Appreciate Spring Lake Baptist and other of His churches throughout the world. Why? Because one thing I know that I need now that I'm alive is I need fellowship with his people because I hate to tell you this. I know this is a this is a Daniel Crimiere. I think I said it right. I got stuff all over it. Black preacher friend over in Greensboro, he'll go to when he's preaching away. He will go to uh, places to preach throughout our country, and he'll ask the pastors, "With where's the nice neighborhoods around here?" And then he'll go to the Goodwills near those neighborhoods and find clothes. And he out he, 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 most preachers outgrow him. Another way he lost weight, and I've got a lot of his suits. I appreciate him. Know. I'm not praying to lose more weight, mind you. Got a preacher friend up in Kingsport; he's gained, and I told him I'm going to keep praying. You gain weight. I was kidding. Well, now he's wearing suits that are too big for me, and giving them up. You know, but but I, I, I may look good in this suit. I hope I do. I, I like it, but but I have to tell you something about myself. I've been raised a while, but I still got some grave clothes on me. Still got some grave clothes from from those dead years. And every one of us do, child of God. And in his church, we have a special privilege. Here at Spring Lake and other of his churches, we have a special privilege, and that is lovingly, graciously, we can help one another out of our grave clothes. Because you see, I may have a, a, a grave napkin on my back. I don't even see it. You can help on Brother David. Here, let me help you get that off. Because one thing we want, now that we're alive, we want to get as far from that death as we can. And yet, sometimes there are the remnants of that death still on us. And that's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 to put off the old man and put on the new man. One of the best ways that I can do that is by being in fellowship with God's people because His Word is taught and preached. But not only that, brothers and sisters who love me. You know, it's dark out there. And and you're not going to find a lot of help to grow in grace out in the world. As a matter of fact, in the world there's going to be that push against you. And so we need one another. Christ tells us humanly, it and let him go. I want to walk more freely now that I'm in him. I want to walk in newness of life because I've been raised, you see. That's what Romans 6 4 says. But I still have some grave clothes that just might make me stumble. They just might make me be without the freedom that I need to do his will. And so we we want to help one another and loosen and let him go. That's what happened to Lazarus. Like I said, it was a miracle that he came forth because he's bound. But Christ then said to those around him, loosen and let him go. And that's something you and I as believers by the grace of God can help one another do spiritually in our lives so that we can walk more for His glory. In this world, we can walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called. We can walk not as other Gentiles walk. We can walk in the light. We can walk in wisdom. We can walk in love. That's what we're called to in our walk. And we help one another to do that as we take the grave clothes off and help one another to walk in. Newness of life is we put off the old man, the dead man, what we were in the dead Adam, the first Adam, and we put on the new man, what we are now in the last Adam, the second man, the Lord from heaven. And that's why we can rejoice in the fellowship of God's people together, because of what God does that way. As I close, let me just say this quickly. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ's life is not yours, I'd say to you, run to Him. Believe on Him. Trust Him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But if you know Him today, may we in a studied effort and exercise of His grace in our lives, may we put off and put on like we ought to. I don't always put off what I should. And I don't always put on what I should. Loose Him and let Him go. And let's walk in His ways as a people who honor Him and live for Him and love Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask You now to bless Your Word. We thank You, Father, for the privilege to be with our brothers and sisters here at Spring Lake. I pray, our Father, You would use Thy Word now. Benefit each one for any lost, we pray. May Thy Spirit do that quickening work. May Thy Son speak that quickening word. Father, we thank You that the Lord Jesus does that as He took our death at the cross. At the tree, He paid a debt He did not owe for us who owed a debt we could not pay. And as He died in our place, the Good Shepherd laying down His life for the sheep, Father, we thank you that he could cry, it is finished, paid in full. Father, thank you for his saving work. Thank you for his power as the resurrection the life to make us live again, to make us new again. We pray you'd bless your word now, Father. Benefit thy people, glorify thy name, and honor thy Son. In his name, amen.